I'm in the middle of something I can't control. It's just the way we're feeling, and I can feel a little fire burning. It's just the way we're feeling. Come alive, the time is right. You're listening to the Story Bites podcast with Serena Bowen and Tanya Eby. Today's bite is from Advanced Physical Chemistry by Susanna Nix, narrated by Caitlin Kelly. Enjoy the bite. Tantor Audio, a division of recorded books, presents Advanced Physical Chemistry, a romantic comedy by Susanna Nix, narrated by Caitlin Kelly. Chapter 1 Well, frack, Penny Popplestone thought as she stared at the couple who'd just sauntered past the window of the coffee shop. Why does this keep happening to me? She couldn't believe it. And yet, at the same time, she could absolutely believe it. Because apparently, she was forever doomed to date unfaithful men. She had discovered her last boyfriend was cheating on her only a month after she'd picked up her entire life in Washington, D.C. and moved across the country for him. And before that, she'd been cheated on by both her college boyfriend and her high school boyfriend. She'd had four whole boyfriends in her life. And as of this moment, every single one of them had turned out to be unfaithful. A perfect O and 4 record. She must be cursed. There was no other explanation for it. The bell on the front door of the shop jangled as Kenneth, her current, soon-to-be ex, boyfriend, strolled in. The very same Kenneth who had canceled their plans for tonight because he had to go out of town for work. And who, instead of being out of town, was in Penny's favorite coffee shop with his arm around another woman. The Gaul. The absolute gall. She'd call it almighty stupidity on his part, except she wasn't supposed to be here tonight, either. Her knitting group usually met here Monday nights, which Kenneth knew very well. But this Monday, one of the members had an art show, which Kenneth also knew, because he had declined Penny's invitation to be her plus one. What he didn't know was that Penny had called the group at the last minute and asked if they wanted to meet tonight instead. There was no reason for him to suspect Penny would be at Antidote on a Friday night, and yet, here she was, witnessing his indiscretion with her own eyes, like fate had set her up for a punking. Fortunately, Kenneth's attention was so wholly consumed by the woman with him that he hadn't even noticed Penny sitting with her friends at the big orange couch in the far back corner. He was too busy nuzzling his nose into his date's silky blonde hair as his hand stroked her tiny, taut butt through her skin-tight dress while they waited in line. He'd never behaved that way in public with Penny. Not that she would have wanted him to. Public displays of affection were bad manners but it might be nice if he'd at least tried. Of course, 
Penny's butt was neither taut nor tiny, and she certainly didn't own any skin-tight dresses. Not with her size 16 figure. Kenneth had always claimed to like her curves, but he'd never liked them enough to feel them up in public the way he was doing with his skinny blonde date. The baby hat Penny had been knitting for her cousin lay forgotten in her lap as she reached up to touch her coarse red hair. Every morning, she spent 30 minutes attacking it with blow dryers and flat irons to torture the curl out of it. But she could never get it as smooth and shiny as the blonde's hair looked. She'd never been that skinny either. Even during her years of chasing fad diets and exercise crazes. Penny's friends continued to chat and knit around her. As oblivious to Kenneth's presence as he was to theirs. Cynthia, the one having the art show Monday, was venting about the challenges of managing caterers and publicity for her show, and the other's attention was focused on her. It was just as well. If they knew, one of them might decide to confront him, and Penny didn't want a scene. What she wanted was to not have this happening to her here of all places, in front of her friends. Antidote was her place. She lived just a few blocks away and worked out of her apartment. So she walked here almost every weekday for her morning coffee break, which Kenneth also knew, because this was where they'd first met. She'd been sitting at her usual stool at the counter two months ago, enjoying her usual mid-morning non-fat latte, when he'd come in for a triple espresso and asked if the seat beside her was taken. They'd chatted for almost half an hour, and she'd been thoroughly dazzled by his British accent and charming manners by the time he went back to work. Every day for a week after that, he came into Antidote at the same time to see her again. On the fifth day, he asked her out to dinner, and they'd been together ever since. It had all seemed so romantic, so perfect except for the fact that Kenneth worked late a lot and traveled out of town nearly every other week, which, in retrospect, probably should have clued her in. Penny was definitely cursed. Either that, or deeply stupid, to keep falling for one cheating man after another. Her throat tightened as she watched Kenneth lean over to whisper something in his date's ear. Whatever he said made the blonde blush and giggle. His hand curled protectively around her waist, and she leaned into him, resting her head on his shoulder. Penny blinked as her throat burned. She was about five seconds from crying, and she needed to get somewhere private before that happened. Calmly, so as not to arouse any suspicion, she set aside her knitting, excused herself and hurried to the bathroom. There were two stalls in the ladies' room, and fortunately both were empty. Penny chose the larger one and slid the bolt home as tears welled in her eyes. Her vision blurred as she peered at the lidless toilet seat. Whatever. She could cry just as well standing up. Kenneth had lied to her. How long had it been going on? How many times had he lied to her before this? Had he ever gone out of town for work? Or had it all been an elaborate ruse? 
one that she'd fallen for, hook, line, and sinker. She felt like such a chump. For all she knew, he'd been seeing this woman for a long time. Maybe even before he'd asked Penny out. Oh, God. What if he was cheating on this other woman with Penny? A moan escaped her lips at the thought. How could she have been so dumb? So trusting? You'd think she would have learned to be more cautious after the last time. The last three times. To recognize the signs. But apparently not. She heard the creak of the bathroom door opening and clapped her hand over her mouth to stifle her sobs. She was almost positive Kenneth hadn't seen her and she didn't think any of her friends had noticed anything wrong. Hopefully it was just some stranger coming in to pee. Hello? Said a male voice that definitely did not belong to Kenneth. It took her a moment to place it. Caleb? He was one of the baristas who worked there. And not just any barista, but the superhumanly hot barista she'd had a shallow crush on for months. Yeah. What was he doing in here? She sniffled and scrubbed at her eyes. This is the women's restroom. I saw you get up when Kenneth came in with that woman. Wonderful. Now Hottie Barista knew what a pathetic chump she was. Perfect. Of all the people who could have witnessed her indignity, it had to be him. She tore off a strip of toilet paper and blew her nose. You okay in there? Caleb asked, sounding uncomfortable, which made two of them. Of course I'm not okay. My boyfriend is a cheating creep. I'm sorry. The pity in his voice filled her with anger, as if it wasn't bad enough that Kenneth had cheated on her and lied to her. He had to make her humiliation public by parading that woman around in front of people who knew her. Penny's throat closed up in panic as she wondered how many times he'd done it before. Maybe he brought women here all the time. Maybe all the employees knew her boyfriend had been making a fool of her. Did you know? She choked out. There was a long pause. Yes. I can't believe it, Penny moaned. Her wad of tissue was soaked through already. She dropped it into the toilet and tore off another length. I'm such an idiot. Did they come in here all the time? Did everyone know but me? I don't think so. I only saw them once before. Malik was working that night too, but he was in the back when they came in. Well, that was something. At least she'd be able to look the rest of the staff in the eye. It was only Caleb who'd known and done nothing to warn her. Which wasn't all that surprising. He'd always acted distant and a little aloof. She was shocked he'd even bothered to check on her. How long ago? She asked him. She heard his feet shuffle on the tile floor, but he didn't answer. How long? About a month ago, Caleb mumbled. A month? 
A choking sob bubbled up from Penny's throat, and she bit down on her lip. Penny? What? She felt trapped, like the walls were closing in on her. She needed Hottie Barista to leave. She needed to not be having a breakdown in a public bathroom stall. But mostly, she needed Kenneth to not be a lying, cheating scumbag. Or else she needed to go back in time and never agree to go out with him in the first place. That would be okay, too. Can I do anything? Caleb asked. You can leave me alone to cry in private. Thank you very much. Okay, he said. Sorry. Penny heard the bathroom door close and buried her face in her hands, sobbing even harder than before. Too late, she realized she should have asked Toddy Barista if Kenneth was still out there. She had no idea how long she needed to keep hiding in here. Maybe she could slip out the back door. She could make up an excuse and text the knitting group, apologizing for running out. She could say she'd gotten sick. No, they might think it was the cookies she'd brought. She could say she'd left the oven on. That would do it. She was already fumbling her phone out of her purse when the bathroom door opened again. Penny? Her best friend Olivia said. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. She tried not to sound like she'd been crying, but the fact that her voice came out like a drowning frog sort of gave her away. Open the stall. Penny slid the latch back and pulled the door open a crack. She could tell by the look on Olivia's face that she knew. Did you see him? With that woman? Olivia shook her head, her ash blonde hair falling across her face as she dug around in her big black purse for a packet of Kleenex. Hottie Barista came and told me, she said, handing Penny a fresh tissue. Awesome. After months of basically ignoring her, why did he pick tonight, of all nights, to suddenly take an interest in her? Penny blew her nose, and Olivia handed her another tissue. I'm sorry your boyfriend's a dickless weasel. Olivia had been the best thing about moving to Los Angeles. The two of them had been friends online for six years before they'd wound up living in the same city. They'd both been obsessed with the TV show Sherlock in college, and had spent hours on Tumblr picking apart the episodes, reading fanfiction, and swooning over Benedict Cumberbatch. That two-year hiatus after the cliffhanger ending of the Reichenbach Fall had been agony, but it had cemented their friendship. Their Sherlock obsessions had faded in the intervening years, but they'd remained friends as they each moved on to other interests although they hadn't met in person until Penny moved to L.A. a year ago. She never would have survived her first few miserable months here if it hadn't been for Olivia. Are they still out there? Penny asked. No, they got their coffee to go and left. Thank goodness for small favors. At least she wouldn't have to hide in the bathroom all night while Kenneth and his other woman lingered over their drinks and gazed lovingly at each other. Ooh.
Thank you, Tantor Audio, for that bite of advanced physical chemistry. I'm Tanya Eby. I'm a writer, a narrator, a worrier, um, and I have a cooking video series that you can watch on YouTube, and you just search for Tanya Makes, and there's blueberry pie and mufalata sandwiches and pork roast and um, more. Wait, blueberry pie? we got to come back to that in a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Serena Bowen, the author of 30-ish romance novels and a young adult novel as well. And you can find me on serenabowen.com. Tanya, I'm overrun with blueberries. Are you really? Yes. Well, it's it's tis the season, right? I, I have a great um, video. I'm actually posting it today, so when this plays, it will be up. But it's a um, a summer blueberry pie, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. Oh. So you make a glaze, okay. and then you, you make a blueberry glaze, and then you toss it with um, fresh blueberries so that the blueberries are really crisp and, and summery. Wow. Yeah. So we'll post okay. a link to that on the notes. But Oh, thank you. Um, back to the excerpt. Yes. Um, so it was for me personally, it was so fun to hear Caitlin Kelly. I've known her for a while, and she's a delightful person. And to hear her perform was really great. I loved her approach to this. Yeah. And this book has a lot going on in the first chapter, which, of course, makes you and I happy. Yes. Um, we have a chemical engineer heroine, which is just the best thing ever. Yes. And she's a curvy girl. And the beginning with um, with a cheating boyfriend is mm-hmm. not uncommon in romance as a wonderful, like, tense place to start. Right. So, of course, that was intriguing to me. I actually kind of like this as a as a romance setup. Well, it did it did give me immediate sympathy for her. Like I'm really pulling for her cuz I just feel for her. Absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a quick empathy establisher right from the first paragraph. Mhm. And yeah, so um I like that <laughs> Hadi Barista doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> oh, he didn't. I don't oh, that's think funny. so. In the blurb it says Caleb. Okay, right. So that's how he knew. Right. Yeah. But Hottie Barista is pretty great. <laughs> and I like I like how um kind of gentle he is and, and sexy. It's fun. I'm curious to see what happens there. Yeah, so either he is you know, readers like to say alpha hero or beta hero, and the vote uh-huh. is obviously still out on him because we haven't heard enough from him, but Right. But the sweet like prop you up kind of guy might be um, a beta hero, a a quieter, you know. Yeah. I I actually don't know why I went off in this direction because I dislike (laughs) the categorization. Oh, do you? (laughs) Yeah. And I think the reason I dislike it is that people often accuse me of writing lots of beta heroes. So. Yeah, but betas can have alpha moments. Well, hopefully. Right. I like them when they have alpha moments. Right. Basically, <laughs> I'm trying not to be typecast here, but I, sure. I already like him. <laughs> right. I, me too. Me too. So, so maybe those readers have a point. <laughs> That's true. And and from the blurb, we know that there is some uh, more chemistry that's going to happen that doesn't have right. to do with engineering. That is right. There's like a really bad sex and engineering joke in there somewhere, but I'm just going to back away. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that this book caught my eye 
well, one of many reasons. It's it's wonderful in its own right. But it just won a Rita Award. Yay. At RWA. And as I was setting up this episode, I was thinking about awards and the mind games that that we play mm. with respect to them. So um, I'm absolutely glad that this author entered this competition and won this award because it helped me find her book. Uh-huh. But on a personal level, I always struggle with, like, why do we do this? Like, why do we pay people to judge us? Right. Yeah, it's the same with um, audiobooks. We have um, the Audis are our ultimate award. And right. it's, it's great to receive one, to be nominated one, but there's all sorts of angst that happens with it, too. Yeah. So you've been nominated for Audis, right? I have, and I won one. Oh, sweet. What did you win for? I won for one that I produced, um, a collection of short stories by Austin Bunn. Cool. Um, yeah, I've been nominated a couple times, and it's great. But yeah, there's a lot that goes with that, although it does... It does, you know, spotlight an industry and it does introduce you to new, you know, talent that you may not have found on your own. Right. And the Ritas are a big deal, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, I guess so. Um, <laughs> I have actually won a Rita. You did? Yep. What? I won in um, the summer of 2016 for a book that came out in 2015. Uh-huh. And that book was him by myself and L. Kennedy. I didn't know that one. That's amazing. It did. And at that at that point when we had written that book, I was in a place where I wasn't very interested in entering contests. Mm -hmm. But um, but L. said, you know, let's do it. And I thought, okay, sure, because sometimes I do enter contests, and I. Did not go to the award ceremony, even uh-huh. though we had finaled. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and it was in California it, that, that that year was San Diego, and so a three-hour time difference, and I believe it started at, I don't know, it was late. So yeah. I was asleep when I won the oh. award. <laughs> and That's because awesome. we had finaled, they had asked us, so if you're not here, who can collect this award for you. Right. And at the time, just by coincidence, L. Kennedy and I had the same editor at Penguin for other stuff. Uh-huh. So um, the lovely Carrie Donovan was appointed as our, you know, steward in the unlikely event that we win. And there are so many finalists, like six or seven. It just, you know, I don't know. I wasn't thinking very much about it, but we thanked her for taking this trouble. And then they called our names and I was asleep, but Carrie got up (laughs) and (laughs) she accepted for us. And it was so lovely of her. Mm -hmm. And then I felt bad, of course, because I hadn't gone and she'd done this thing for us. And anyway, so a couple weeks later, the FedEx truck drives up the driveway and he hands me this padded envelope and it is so heavy ton, like <laughs> it weighed a ton like yeah. almost as much as my the microphone that we use to podcast here yeah and and um 
then I was so embarrassed because this lovely editor had two of these in her luggage. She had to carry them home from San Diego to New York for both of us. Oh my gosh, and then send it to you. (laughs) Yeah, so the Rita is sitting on my desk. Uh Um, It it holds the cords from my computer so that they stay tiny. Oh, nice. She's super useful. Um, But the whole award ceremony, like... Not ceremony, but the idea that we pay people to judge us, and it it doesn't sit super comfortably with me. But you know, but on a macro level, like the way that it highlights excellence in an industry, like it's all okay with me. It's just you know, I find it odd that that um to actually put yourself out there like this is sort of a a thing that I struggle with. Yeah, yeah, but. I mean that's kind of like modern life. Yes. You pay you pay for all the good things. But <laughs> <laughs> it's the same it's the same in um Audis. And also the Audi award is, is like made of granite and it weighs like 20 pounds. Does it? <laughs> yeah, so I had the same thing of carrying it home in my luggage. Um man, that's how you know an award is important is important by how that much it weighs. It weighs. A lot? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, if you win a World Cup in downhill ski racing yeah it's made of glass ah that's scary it yes so not only i'm told yeah is it you know heavy to get home like anything but you also have to be very super careful with it because you could easily crush it which you know who whose idea was that (laughs) it's so scary yeah well luckily i don't have to worry about awards for much of anything so <laughs> so that's a, a concern I can just let go. <laughs> uh, okay, me too then. Let's worry about blueberry pie instead. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post that today and we can post it on the website. It's truly terrific. Yay! Mm. Well, I'm happy that the awards machine that exists in the universe has brought us this book. Mm-hmm. Me too. And... My favorite line is where she says that her voice sounds like a drowning frog. <laughs> yep, I've been there. <laughs> and I also paused for a moment over the fact that the betraying boyfriend's name is Kenneth. Why? I just thought, can you have a hero of a book or an alpha hero of a book named Kenneth? <laughs> no. I don't think you can. No. There are some perfectly wonderful Kenneths in the world, to be certain. Uh huh. But they are not usually romance hero names. That's right. You need a hunter. <laughs> hunter is one of those slightly overused but lovable hero names. Right. Right. Or a stone. I want a stone. Hmm. Anyway, that's for another episode. <laughs> Definitely. And I guess we should say at this juncture that we are taking mm-hmm. a break from making new episodes for a while. We are. No big deal, just a ton of stuff going on. So many deadlines. But we will be back uh, sometime in the fall. We will. Awesome. And we can't wait to bring out Mancuffed, which is partly why we need to take a podcasting break, because we have to get Mancuffed ready for the big time. That's right. Yep. Oh, it's so exciting. Okay. So until next time, whenever that is. Until next time. And stay tuned. (laughs) Bye. Bye. See you soon. Thank you for joining us on the Story Bites podcast, hosted by Serena Bowen and Tanya Eby. 
For links and further information about today's Story Bite, please visit storybytespodcast.com. And if you enjoyed your time with us, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join us right here next week for another Story Bite. Yes, your words did hurt me, but I found myself through you. Found myself in you. Now I see the difference. I see what's right, what is true. Now I see what's true. Though you thought that you could break me, I see what's right. See what's true. Now I see what's true. I see what's right. See what's true. Now I see what's true. I won't fly with the wind no more. I won't follow the road that you made for me. I will be loud and clear. I'm be loud. You can do, do your best to follow me. You do your best to follow me. You do your best to follow me. You do your best to follow me.